in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice, and we're happy you're spending some time with us, Chip and Zay. Zay, I want to get into this Malik Murphy opportunity, okay? We're talking football. Let's get it. Because think about this. Malik Murphy had opportunities to go elsewhere. Intermediaries let his people know. There was NIL money at two SEC schools. Schools, I believe, to be Auburn and Florida. Um, but Malik Murphy stayed. Waiting. Look at that. You got some music playing over there? No. What you talking about? I hear the people mowing grass and shit. Oh. That's what you're hearing. Huh. Sounded thought sounded we had sounded like you had the auxiliary cable for a second. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Um okay, so here he, he bets on himself, he stays. And this opportunity is what it's all about. So he has waited for this opportunity. Here it is. And he gets one chance to show. He gets the BYU game to show that he's got, I mean, we don't even know if he gets the whole game. He get he just gets this opportunity. Whatever he gets on the field, that's what he gets to show all these days in practice, all these reps he's had, all these meetings have paid off that he's prepped, ready to go. And of course, if you think of it like that, you'll walk to the free throw line with ankle weights, wrist weights, anvil around your neck. <laughs> you don't think of it like that, right? Like yeah. the competitor doesn't think of it the way that most of us Joe Schmoes think of this moment. Like the average beer league bowler is going to be like, oh man, I hope he doesn't get nervous. But that's not how it works. Elite competitors can't wait to get on the field. Caleb Williams couldn't wait to get on the field in that Red River shootout when he got the fourth and one and he ran over Jaron Thompson <laughs> and went 69 yards for a touchdown. And then he got back into the game. He was dropping snaps, picking up the ball, throwing touchdowns. Like Caleb Williams couldn't wait for that moment and he killed it. And he, he had Spencer Rattler rattled or rattled. Spencer Rattler was rattled by Texas. Caleb Williams came in, looked like he was playing in slow motion. Yeah. And that's what, that's what you're waiting to see on Saturday. Does this thing look like slow motion for Malik Murphy does it look like, hey, man, this is what I was born to do? Is it up and down? Because this is his moment. Like, that one Shining Moment song, we need to be playing that. Oh, Luther. Luther. Yeah, man. At one shining moment, you yeah, knew uh, you were alive. Yeah, man. One year they tried to screw us all, CBS, and they got somebody that wasn't Luther. They mucked that all up. 
And people were complaining and bitching and like, y'all better get Luther. He rolling over in his grave right now because y'all didn't have him singing One Shining Moment. I know Chris Bennett helped let me know whoever sung it. I don't remember. But yeah, man, it's it's that type of opportunity from Malik Murphy. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Cue Eminem, Lose Yourself. Big Malik. Big Malik energy. Why do we gotta get the eggplant, man? Why do we? Why is that? I've seen the eggplant multiple times in the comment section. We haven't even been on ten minutes yet. Like, come on, man. I, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm nervous, eager, anxious, optimistic, you know. And it's not necessarily Malik Murphy. It's more as this team as a whole, you know. Um, shout out to. Naaman, Chip and Zay, Malik will be fine if Sark lets this young man do him. Please, Sark, don't take the ball out of his hand. Um, I mean, yeah, like you do have a top five rusher in the nation and Jonathan Brooks. I mean, you would like to lean on that guy. And with what we've seen with C.J. Baxter this past Saturday against Houston, that dude looks the most healthy he's been all year. He looks like that guy that it might have made a little sense. It definitely don't make sense now, but that first game against Rice, why he was out there on the first drive instead of number 24. So I would like to lean on those guys first. That should be the game plan. Like, let's run the football and see if these guys could stop us to where Malik Murphy doesn't have to win a game. I mean – you know, that'd be all nice and stuff, but you want to make his life as easy as possible. And hopefully with this week of game planning, you know, Kalani Sataki, Hank South said it yesterday. Hey, they don't got much film on. They don't really, nobody's seen them yet. You go back to that spring game. That was it. You know, that pass to Jonte Cook, that was absolutely on the money. So if he could bring that swagger that you're talking about, then, hey, I'm all about it. But you know, ah, it's just throwing a guy out there for his first game with the way this Texas team looks, specifically this defense. I don't like it, but, you know, you got to play the game. And Malik Murphy, hopefully he thrives with this opportunity. Welcome in, R.H. R.H., new, new, new to the channel, just subscribed. Um, appreciate that, R.H., tell – Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell your enemies as well. We'll take them all. Um, here's the thing, Zay. Uh-oh. Man down. No, he's fine. He's just running over here and stuff. <laughs> champ? Is that Champ? Yeah. yeah, it was Champ. Well, tell Champ to get on the get on the air. Let's, let's hear from Champ. On. Nah, man, he's just going to be a distraction. He's fine. He must have saw something that he didn't like. I can't believe you can't hear my dog snoring. No, I don't hear it today. I mean, I hear it. He climbs over here into this little bed right next to me, and he just conks out and starts snoring. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Um, It's so nice and soothing do a radio show with his <laughs> um, but here's here's the thing here's the thing about Malik Murphy and we're, we're you know we'll see we'll see but look if you think you're the best guy and you're gonna 
you're going to get to tell Steve Sarkeesian the, the place you like to run the best. And you've been in the building the first and you're the last to leave and you prepare like the starter every week, then we should see, we could see, let me put it that way. We could see a Josh Hoover experience. I'm going to keep banging that drum. Josh Hoover, red shirt freshman at TCU, got his first start against BYU at Amy Carter Stadium through 400 yards and four touchdowns. Banging that drum. You're like Nick Cannon, Atlanta A&T in the movie Drumline. Like, you you keep bringing up that dude. And you're right. He did go crazy in that game. And those Cougars, they're a different team on the road, even though they beat Arkansas. I mean, come on, Zay. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, sound I, like you're, you sound like you're not feeling it today. Like it's, it's not, it's not Malik Murphy though. It's not Malik Murphy. I don't want to get that twisted. You know, obviously it's a team game. It's more of the defense and this secondary and how they match up against this BYU offense and Keaton Slovis. I mean, I, I hope Malik Murphy plays well, clearly, but the dude, if it's a wide open playbook, if Sark can feel confident to where you throw the same stuff that you would throw Quinn Ewers at Malik Murphy, then we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, man, I just keep thinking you, you're the one that said Jared Thompson earlier talking about the OU game. I wasn't even thinking about that, but I'm like, man, this defense, it looks sad and touching right now. Like it ain't doing too good. That secondary, those safeties, you know, I mean, I think that Houston's wide receiver core is better than uh, BYU's, but not but by that close. much. And they're similar. Yeah, not by that much. Yeah, they're like, very similar. So Lassiter had one of the craziest catches of the college football season against Arkansas where he went up one-handed, pulled it in in the corner of the end zone. Yo, Lassiter, Lassiter has an NFL body. He might not go to the NFL, might not have that NFL skill, but NFL body, he has that. So we talked about Ryan Watts hopefully coming back. They couldn't get number six soon enough because – Man, playing this soft-ass coverage that Pete Kwiatkowski's having these secondary guys play, like, something's got to give, man. Like, you go back to that Houston game, Keaton Crawford playing in the slides, like, 10 yards off of man Jack. Like, I'm going to get open. I take one step, bam, quick screen, hit me. I got eight yards right there. Just methodically moving the ball. They got anything they wanted on those crossing routes. You got walk-ons, Chip. Walk-ons. Getting love for Houston. Number 85, Cranes, Carnes, what the hell his name is? You can't even say his name. Yeah, Kearns, man. That dude's a walk-on lighting us up. You know what I'm saying? Looking like Wes Welker out there. That can't happen. If those dudes are lighting us up, that ain't good, man. And... If you're going to have these safeties play in the slot, then, yo, Kalani Sataki and this BYU offense, like Keen Slovis, even though he's very inconsistent, there's been times, especially with Lassiter and some of these other guys that they got, they go crazy. And Roberts, big white boy, number 27, that dude leading their uh, team in receptions. Then they got Rex, the tight end who could cause matchup problems. I'm telling you. 
Somebody said yesterday, BYU ain't shit. Just straight up, BYU, they ain't got the talent. Well, they got heart. We know that. They got grown-ass men. We know that. And they have a better record than Texas in this matchup throughout the years. So, yes, a little UTSD is coming into play. Please believe me. But I don't want what I'm talking about with the defense to take away from what Malik Murphy can be. I do have confidence in him, not as much as I would if Quinn Ewers was back there, but I do have confidence that Malik Murphy can come in this game as a starter and win the ball game for the horns and move on with a seven and one record. Well, I'm just saying BYU's offense, Keaton Slovis, you got to get to him because he, if you don't, he's going to pick you apart and he's got the big receivers to do it. This, this group of receivers is very similar to what we saw from Houston. They're big, they're talented. Um, he's got a six, six tight end Isaac Rex that he is uses as a security blanket. That That's dude's got dude. good hands. That's a big dude. Now, they'll put them out wide too, chip and just Give him a go route and throw it up high. You know what I'm saying? Like, if that's a Gavin Holmes matchup, Lord have mercy. If that's a Jaron Thompson matchup, Lord have mercy. That's going to be torch. Like, we <laughs> – and somebody on the Coda text line, shout out to y'all, 512-222-9328, talking about me being a negative Nancy. Come on, Zay. I need to take a gulp of the burnt orange Kool-Aid. I'm, I got to keep it real with y'all. As lovely as that sounds – that game last week, the Horns, according to Vegas, was supposed to win by minus 25 and a half, and they won by seven. And if it wasn't for a bad spot, who knows what would have happened. I ain't being negative, Nancy. I'm just keeping it real. That's all I'm trying to do with y'all. That's our job here, Chip. Texas Sports Unfiltered. My BK asked us to keep it real with the people. That's what we got to do. So, yes. Sorry, Longhorn fans. Y'all don't want to hear it. I am a bit concerned moving forward. Because th this team is vulnerable in certain places. And the health. The health's a serious issue, too, which leads to people being moved around in different spots and whatnot. Like, it's – the Horns are facing some serious adversity right now. And, yeah, it's – even though BYU talent-wise doesn't match up, just having self-inflicted wounds and mental mistakes – could keep that team in the game. And when that when a team like that feels like they have life and they're in the game and, you know, they're excited and stuff and feel like they can win, anything could happen. And the Horns, they don't want to be in the same type of game that they were this past weekend against U of H. Yeah. No, it's going to be – it's going to be fun. Um, it's – it's – man, you live for these moments and it's different. It's different for Malik than it is for Quinn Ewers because Quinn Ewers is the man. Steve Sarkeesian made him the man. Steve Sarkeesian talked about this this week, how Lavelle Edwards made him feel like I was his guy when Sarkeesian was a quarterback at BYU in 95 and 96. By the way, he led BYU to a 12-1 and record. In 96, okay, they played in the Cotton Bowl nice and K-State. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, but this uh, it's different for Malik. He's going to get, he's, you know, depending on how long yours is out, he's going to get, uh, he's going to get this game. And if he shows out, he'll get the whole game. And, and what if he, you know, balls out like Caleb Williams says, Michael, well then. Oh, Michael, come on, Michael. Hey, doomsday. Don't listen to doomsday. Doomsday. It's not the same. It's not the same. Quinn, you like Spencer Rattler didn't get hurt. Spencer Rattler was trash. So it made more sense. Like Quinn Ewers, even though him lowering his shoulder after his shoulder's already hurt, that no, but was what, trash. He was what Michael's saying ball. is if if Malik comes in and he looks comfortable and he's finding receivers and throwing it and scoring touchdowns, that's what he's talking about. Against BYU? Hey, BYU is 5-2. and two. I get that, but we're going to base like – him moving forward as potentially QB one on I mean, BYU. All you can do, all you I just want to make sure slay, we're clear. All you can I, do is slay the team in front of you. Exactly. So his opportunities coming against BYU. Trust me, the next week against K State, they'll be serving up all Texas wants because oh, Will Howard and Avery Johnson, not that Avery Johnson, went nutso on TCU up in Manhattan last week. And everybody's trying to figure out who the third best team in the Big 12 is. K-State sure staked its claim last week, paddling TCU 41 to 3. Damn. And look, TCU beat up on BYU, and Texas has to go to Fort Worth. TCU's defense was lights out against BYU. And Look, I get it. Everyone's like, oh, BYU, their running game is terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. But Keaton Slovis can zip the ball around to his receivers, and their defense plays hard. And by the way, BYU's left tackle is a sophomore who's getting NFL, like, pub. I can't even pronounce his name. I can't pronounce Kingsley. Sal Mataya, I botched the hell out of that. My bad, bro. Kingsley Sua Matea. Sua Matea, there we go. That sounds better. Kingsley Sua Matea. <laughs> that, that sounds a lot better, yeah. Now, look. He's six, hey, six, six, 325. By the way, you literally just kind of threw yourself in a loophole here. You keep talking about Josh Hoover, what he do against Kansas State. That's what I'm saying to you and Michael here. Hey, be don't, if he has a great performance, just be careful. It's week to week because, hey, Josh Hoover was in Fort Worth getting all types of nookie after that game, doing all types of stuff, getting all this love. That's what I'm saying, walking in, getting the standing ovation at 9.05 class and shit. And what happened this past week? 41-3 for that ass, getting blown out by Kansas State. So this, you might want to hold your horses on Josh. Hey, can Hoover. we just take it one game at a time? Hoover's first saying. game. I, you got you pulled up my 
Michael talking about what if he goes Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams then became the Heisman. As lovely as hey, that would sound, that sounds beautiful. That would Michael's be talking Corey about Oscar's. Michael's talking about that game that Caleb Williams came in against Texas when he was all at ease and slaying. He's not saying what if he goes on to have a career like Caleb Williams. Although you know, look, don't put glass ceilings on people. I'm yeah. just saying. Malik, if he's ready for the moment, he wants this. He's waited for this. He ain't nervous. He's hungry. He's starving. Now, it's going to be different because BYU's going to show him stuff. Oh, BYU's probably going to come out in a whole new defense, just oh, like every yeah. other team. You think? That Sark's going to be shocked. And Sark, then Sark, what is this? I can't believe Sark, they're doing this. I can't believe they're trying to stop us this way. Then Sark's going to have to, you know, show everyone why he makes the big bucks and put Malik Murphy in position to succeed. But, man, I'm excited. I cannot wait for 2.30 on Saturday to see what big number six has in store for these feisty 25-year-old Mormons who can't drink caffeine or have sex. Like caged <laughs> animals. That's tough, man. BYU football players are like caged animals. Like, is that that's the benefits of being like a D1 player and going to college? Like, that's why some guys, you know, back in the day used to go to college instead of the NBA. They would be like, yo, I'm gonna go out here and live and be a kid and stuff, you know, and I'll wait for all this money, all the responsibility later. But yeah. And yeah, it's too even... easy. Like my man Sean Adams would say, there are some dudes on scholarship who just want to put on their Texas gear, go to Sixth Street, and you know, get with chicks. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. They're they not love the game. They love what film. comes with the game. Yeah, those are the worst guys. They don't love the game. They love what comes with it. Yeah. You know? So yeah, we we don't have time for that. And yeah. I think I think Sark's done a good job of finding guys who love football. Yeah. I think one of the guys who's going to play a key role in this game is Anthony Hill. Anthony Hill. I need forget about worrying about, you know, having him spy anybody. He doesn't have to worry about that this week. He can just go get Keaton Slovis. And trust me, you got to heat up Keaton Slovis. Don't let him get settled in, Pete Kwiatkowski. You got to risk. You got to gamble a little bit. I don't care if it's zone pressure. Or what, but you gotta get pressure on this dude. You gotta bring it in different kind of ways. And you better have Anthony Hill in position to, to get in the backfield. He needs to be playing behind the line of scrimmage this week. Yeah, I mean that four man rush ain't getting it. It's not. Now you're without Ethan Burke and you know, these teams, like we said, you know, since especially since the Oklahoma game, getting the ball out of your hands quick and not letting this interior line specifically, Trevondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, you saw Alfred Collins with a sack this past Saturday against U of H, but getting the ball out of your hands quick so those defensive linemen can't affect the game. That's what U of H did. Like, even though Donovan Smith did have time or made time with his legs and made some really good plays, Keaton Slovis, he doesn't have that same athleticism as a Donovan Smith. So you're talking about a BYU team that's averaging 6.2 yards, you know, 
a play, a pass, excuse me, which is 105 in the nation. And then they're 120 in the nation when it comes to average on the ground with 2.9 a carry. So they're very limited, but they also have dudes that will surprise you, you know? So this Texas team, that's why I, if the defense was playing like it was those first few weeks, you know, gets Alabama, even though a couple of plays, Jalen Murrow did some really good things. But now this defense, especially with Jalen Catalan being out, even though Ryan Watts is expected to play, he's dealing with a hamstring injury like that. That's one of those things that just lingers. Like any wrong move that Ryan Watts has, that thing could flare up again, God forbid. But, you know, just relying on what they've had lately hasn't been good enough. And you're hearing that John A. Barron's only playing because of emergencies and shit like that. Malik Murphy having to deal with that, like Malik Murphy shouldn't have to be in a shootout. I would be terrified if this defense was giving up points and now Malik Murphy's in a shootout and Texas can't necessarily get to what they want to do on the game plan. And they're going to have to run the ball. Like, you know, Kalani Sataki is going to pack – eight in the box, seven guys in the box, and force Malik Murphy uh, to beat them. But they're still going to have to be effective running the ball. They're still going to have to be creative with what they do, whether that's counters or just outside stuff or inside stuff, et cetera. They, CJ Baxter, Jonathan, you know, Jonathan Brooks, both of those guys who now that CJ Baxter is healthy, I think that pick your poison. Because there are a lot of times, Chip, you talk about the red zone difficulties that they've been having, that when they get to the red zone, since Jonathan Brooks just had like a 40-yard gain or something like that, he's winded, so they've been putting in a pretty battered C.J. Baxter, and he doesn't necessarily give you anything. Now he's doing that, and if those guys could be a little thunder and lightning, that would obviously make things a lot easier on Malik Murphy and open up those easier passes down the field and let Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Wordy, Jordan Winnington, JT Sanders, let all those guys go crazy due to the fact that the run game could be productive. Yeah. Yeah. And look at what Mike Gundy's doing with Ollie Gordon. He's running him 29 times a game the last two games. And everyone's like, well, is that too much? And he's like, no. No, he gets stronger as the game goes on. You know who else does that? JB, baby. Yeah. Number two, four. Do you see what he did? That 29-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma on a hot day at the Cotton Bowl? He ran by people. And that's the one thing I'm like, let's I, – I, I'm all in on C.J. Baxter. Love him. He's going to be great. But don't take Brooks out of the flow. Because everyone's going to be like, oh, well, he got 20 carries last week. It was weird. He got seven carries in the first quarter, and then CJ came in in the second quarter. Baxter only got three carries in the second quarter. He only got four carries in the third quarter. And then he got eight carries in the fourth quarter and made him count. And Baxter had the 16-yard touchdown run. That's great. It was really well blocked. I'm just saying Jonathan Brooks is big time and don't, you know, don't, uh, don't go too far away from him 
because every six carries he's given you an explosive run and those explosive runs are averaging over 24 yards like this dude gets down i mean 69 yards 67 61 54 54 for a touchdown 40 just saying yeah, and it's still ridiculous to think that Sark didn't have that guy starting in the first game of the season, which I don't know if that's bad coaching or we just haven't seen the best of C.J. Baxter. Because if Jonathan Brooks is as good as he's been, this is me being positive, Chip. You can't not me being positive. Right. If Jonathan no, Brooks has no been as good as he's been and C.J. Baxter was the starter week one, what does that mean that C.J. Baxter could really be at his best, which this year is only going to be a snippet because he has two more years left. But what can he be? That's scary, man. That's absolutely terrifying. And you saw a couple of the moves that he made. I'm with you. You want to stick with what 24 is doing. That guy just has a certain confidence and a certain chip on his shoulder. You know, a kid from Hallettsville. But CJ Baxter showed me a little bit this past Saturday, I was like, there it is. That's, you know, because you hear Bucky Gobble in the morning with BK, and Bucky's just like, where is it? Like, where's the – I don't get the hype yet. <laughs> like, where, where is it? Because okay, we've just seen him injured. So where is it? Why does Sark have so much confidence in him? And then you saw, again, the snippet on Saturday of a really good running back in the future. And, again – that's going to make Malik Murphy's life a lot easier. I want to see Malik Murphy's mobility. We kind of joked about it. Like, is he a Jamarcus Russell or is he a Jameis Winston or Brian Leftwich? We know he ain't no Vic. We know he ain't no Lamar. But is he going to be able to get out of situations with his feet? Because there's going to be times where, obviously, guys ain't open. And you're going to have to use your legs just to move the chain. So is he going to have that instinct? Is that going to kick in? Is he going to be able to move around in the pocket to avoid pressure and keep his eyes up the field at potential big plays? You know, just those things that seem very minor but are very major when it comes to playing that quarterback position. Will he be able to do those things in his first start and adapt to the speed of the game? You know, because, hey, you talked about him not being afraid of the pressure. I don't think he'll be afraid of the pressure either. He's played some big-time college football. This is why you come to Texas. But he'll be nervous. It's fine to be nervous. You know, his heart's going to be pumping. His heart's going to be racing. He'll be nervous. Like, hopefully that doesn't get the most of him. I felt like he was nervous on that throw to Adonai Mitchell in that game with just throwing it like Randy Johnson over 100 miles per hour. But, again, now with another week to prepare for this BYU team. You know you're the starter. And I hey, and you know that ball is going to be on you. So yeah. have your have your hands up, baby. Yeah. I'm just saying, Xavier Worthy, guy's been electric here the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Xavier Worthy said, he was asked, can Malik overthrow you? He said, I hope not. Let's see it because we know that Malik has a cannon and uh, and we know that Sark loves deep shots. So I think we're going to get a little bit of everything. And I think um, 
having Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter to fall back on is huge because we saw that in the Kansas game. That was, that was huge. You know, keep their offense off the field. I thought we'd see more of that against Houston. We didn't. We should see more of it this week against BYU because the only way you're going to lose this game is if Keaton Slovis gets hot like Donovan Smith did and he's hitting Darius Lassiter and and Keanu Hill and Isaac Rex and, you know. Yeah, Epps. Epps is a good receiver for him. He's been injured, and I think they were slowly bringing him back into the mix. So. Number zero. Yeah, yeah, we might see that guy. He could play a little bit. You know, they're pretty banged up. Talk about Texas being banged up. They have a couple of guys on that defensive side, a linebacker that's been injured, a strong safety that's been hurt too. So BYU, it's not like they're coming in all fresh and healthy to DKR this Saturday. And – yeah, it's it should be an interesting game, man. It really should. You're right. They want to be, you know, Sark was his play calling was a little questionable this past Saturday. You know that just fake field goal we've been talking about. You're running that ball with Burt Auburn. I mean, whatever. <laughs> like, why are you bringing work. that up? How do you how do you not bring that up? This goes to his decision making. Reading the game, it's 21-7. You got, what, four-something minutes in the second half? Kick the field goal. Take the point, especially since Houston is getting the ball back in the second half. And what happens? Houston goes down after the fake field goal stop. They score. They get the ball back at half after Quinn Ewers gets sacked. They get the ball back at half. They score again. Tie ball game. The momentum completely shifted with that play. Sark can't have those dumb moments. Like, you just can't. You're always taking the gamble when you go for it on fourth down, especially with some trickery shit like that. Be careful. Don't cost your team like you almost did because that easily could have been with that bad bad spot on the running back, Sneed, that easily could have been the worst loss of your Texas career. And he finessed his way out of it. The team got themselves a dub. You heard Terondre Sweat and Jalen Ford talking about it in the presser after the game. Like, yo, a few years ago, we would have lost that thing. We would have absolutely lost that one. So you got to like that. But, you know, Sark has to be on point, especially with Malik Murphy at quarterback. you got to make his life as easy as possible. And I'm not saying do some thinking dunk, just very conservative stuff, but you know what he's good at. You know what he's not. Play to his strengths. Don't just do stuff because you think it's cool and you think recruits are watching and you're trying to get, you know, I see somebody down here, Gringo Horn 65, talking about Ryan Wingo who hanks out. Oh, yeah, we're getting to Ryan like Wingo. Him. Yeah, Hank South came on our show yesterday, and he said Missouri, which hurts. But hold on, no. Need to throw stuff at you. Don't need to throw stuff out there to get Ryan Wingo to flip. Win the game. Win the game. Style points, all that stuff that we were talking last week when Quinn Ewers was healthy, and you were going into Houston, and we were just saying, you know. You got to have blowout wins, convincing wins. So the committee, when the season's over, can look at you and say you deserve to be one of the four teams in the college football playoff. With what I saw Saturday, you just want to make it to the Big 12 championship. Well, one game at a time, getting a little ahead of myself here, just make it to the Big 12 championship. And if you win out, you'll do that. Well, you want. Uh... 
You want some twists and turns with the Ryan Wingo? Oh, uh, here we go. Like, why do you want to stay home? It's Missouri. Like, St. Louis? Come on. Like, every person that I know that's made it big from St. Louis leaves. Nelly came to Austin. Nelly was living in Austin for a little bit. Bradley, right, slow down. I'm trying to tell you something. You're not really listening to me. I'm listening. You looking at your phone and shit. What you mean? I'm trying to get Hank on the air. I think okay. he's about to. I think he's okay. about there. He is. All right. You looking at your phone? Then my case, that means it's See? my time to go. I'm trying to get you the latest information. So our man Hank South, recruiting guru, horns247.com, joins the show now. And obviously, there is a big announcement. Trey Wingo, five-star receiver uh, at 4 o'clock Central Time, right, Hank, is the uh, scheduled announcement. And yesterday, we were talking to you. We tell us tell us what has been going on with this yeah. recruitment in the last twenty four hours. Yeah, it's a it's a wild one. Um, you know, yesterday when we spoke, you know, I, w- I was projecting Missouri. Um, that's where my crystal ball pick is. That's where it still is. Um, but I was saying, I don't know if you all remember, I was saying like, yeah, maybe watch it. You know, there was a little bit of talk that you know maybe Missouri wasn't as confident or. You know, maybe they were still kind of worried about Texas. And, um, yeah, today Steve Wolfong on 24-7 Sports reported this morning, um, you know, the buzz for Texas was growing. Um, it wasn't, you know, a sure sure thing with uh, with Mizzou. Um, and, and that's kind of where we're at right now. I, I think things are, you know, trending more in Texas's direction as we get towards 4 o'clock Central Time. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see, I'll certainly be tuning in to, uh, to, to watch it and see what's happening, but, um, it sounds like Texas, you know, has some of that, um, that, uh, the 11th hour momentum with, uh, with, uh, who's, I'm oh, sorry, that thing just popped up. Yeah, no, it sounds like they've got some momentum here, you know, two and a half hours out from, uh, from four o'clock. I mean, this is the, this is the game, right? Zay, what I tell you. You, if you're into recruiting, you can't jump off the roller coaster. You got to sit there with your hands on the handlebars, or maybe you got them up in the air. I don't know, but you can't jump out of the roller coaster. You got to ride it all the way to the end. I mean, even if Ryan Wingo commits to Texas at four o'clock, you're going to have to ride it all the way to the end till December. Yeah. Right, Hank? Yeah, absolutely. And I was I was actually just talking to someone on the phone about this a minute ago. I said, you know, and I, and I was saying this, if he had te- committed to Mizzou, you know, Texas was going to stay after him. We did a piece last week uh, when Mo- the Mizzou momentum really started to kind of get louder um, and talking about, you know, what are the options at wide receiver if they don't get Ryan Wingo? You know, you miss on Micah Hudson in the summer and you're like, oh, you know, that sucks. He's a really talented kid, but, you know, we're, we're probably going to get Ryan Wingo. Then you don't get Ryan Wingo. What do you do? And and the top guy on the list was you still recruit Ryan Wingo. Uh, you don't stop recruiting him. Um, and so you know if he does pick Texas, um, Texas is going to have to you know handle that and, and and hang on to him. You know Mizzou's not going to stop recruiting him. You know what if Mizzou reels off you know this wins the rest of the season somehow wins the SEC East and you know that that could really get them some momentum for themselves. So that's something we're going to be watching. Um, but no, yeah, it, it's a recruit to the whistle kind of deal. Um, I think it's a really positive sign that Texas was able to, 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 you know, if, if he's able to 
if he commits today that they were able to get this done early and not have this drag out, but certainly something they're not going to be able to kind of just, you know, lighten up on or anything. They need to stay on him as if he was uncommitted. So Hank, when you look at Ryan Wingo, five-star, great. But what do you like about him? Like, what do you like about his game? Who do you compare him to Ryan Wingo? Yeah, I, I, and I was, again, I was just on the phone with someone right before we got on this, uh, this live, but, um, you know, 6'2", 205, he's a big kid. He's, you know, he's thick, um, can catch the ball in traffic, can make plays all over the field. My comp is Debo Samuel. And, and he's a guy that, you know, you can motion around, you can hand him the ball out of the backfield. He can kind of be your jack of all trades guy on offense. Um, and I, I think that's what he can do. And so, you know, I, I think he's built to play SEC football. Um, uh, again, you know, I, I, his, I love his tape. We have him ranked the number five overall player in the country. So 24-7 sports loves Ryan Wingo. Um, but, yeah, I think that I, I love the Debo comparison lately. Maybe I'll change my mind, you know, when we, we get closer to – you know, next fall, if he ends up committing to Texas and sticks with it. Um, but I, I think that's what he can kind of be for this uh, for this offense, which is becoming a very popular kind of um, position as, from the league down. Yeah, Hank, and you would have to think with most likely Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, you know Jordan Winnington's leaving, JT Sanders, even though he's a tight end, he's leaving too. And Sark's obviously made You don't know that. <laughs> How do you not? I mean, JT Sanders might- is leaving? JT Sanders has another year if he wants it. Okay. We've right. seen his blocking. Yeah. He needs work. Anyway, continue okay. on, Zay. Most likely, those guys will be leaving before I was rudely interrupted. <laughs> and Sark shows that he plays freshman. Yep. Like, freshmen will get on the field if you could go out there and produce. And that has to be something that's appealing to Ryan Wingo. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this whole myth that, you know, you you no matter what your rating is coming out of high school, you get to school, you wait, you have to wait your turn, you redshirt, you do whatever. Then you play eventually when you're a sophomore or junior. You know, that's kind of been thrown out the window the last few years. You know that when I was covering Alabama, it was always, oh, Alabama doesn't play freshman. It's like, well, if you look at that 2017 team that won the national title over Georgia, half their offense was true freshman out on the field on that final drive in overtime to beat them. Um you know, with Najee Harris to uh, Devontae Smith. I mean, t- two true freshmen caught the touchdown, <laughs> created the play that won the national championship. So, uh, you know, it, it's certainly, you know, the kids these days with the development, the the high school programs they're in, the camps, all the training they get, they're college ready. You know, they can come in and, and contribute immediately, Ryan Wingo especially. Um, and I, I think he will. You know, I, I like you just said, you know, they're going to be, even if JT Sanders stays, you know, they're still going to lose skill talent on the uh, outside. And, you know, he's a guy that can come in and, and you know, really showcase his skill set with Jonte Cook, with Ryan Niblett, with DeAndre Moore, you know, with the other guys they're bringing in. And I think he's the most, you know, college-ready guy if he does end up with Texas, you know, compared to Parker Livingston and Freddie DuBose. They're both really talented kids, but I think those two, you know, maybe are more of developmental guys that can contribute down the line. I think Ryan Wingo can contribute right away. Hank, anything more, you know, behind the scenes about what is going on here and, and why Ryan Wingo yeah. may be – thinking more Texas now? Yeah, you know, we'll see. You know, I've talked to several people about about him the last couple months. You know, I put in my original pick to Texas before he visited for the Wyoming game back in September. Um, And I I felt great about Texas coming out of that weekend visit. Um, I think, you know, when you you look at Ryan Wingo's camp, I think maybe there's 
there's some that maybe maybe want him to go to Missouri. Some maybe want him to go to Texas. So I think he's probably having those conflicting opinions in house, you know, almost or like in his camp. So I think that's kind of played heavily. I, I think he really likes to. I think I think Texas has been his preference. I've you know that's what I've written, and you know I, I think that's where he wants to go. I think he likes the chance to to potentially catch passes from Malik Murphy or or Arch Manning. Arch Manning and him have connected. They spent a lot of time together on his official visit back in June. Um, and so I, I think with Wingo, that was kind of uh, that was kind of where he wanted to go. You know, is that where everyone wanted him to go? You know, he's got you know his kids have people talking to them from all over. You know, they 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 have to you know kind of narrow down and focus on you know what they want for themselves. And so I, I think um, you know I think that kind of played into it. But you know I, you know we'll see. Mizzou certainly you know offers the home uh, the home field advantage or has the home field advantage for him. Um, so you know. I'm not counting them out by any means, even if he commits to Texas today. Okay. Yeah, Hank, how with the family and stuff, does he have any relatives that went to Mizzou? Because we know he's a St. Louis kid. So, uh, you know, his parents, who knows, his sister's baby daddy, I don't know. It could be anybody in his ear about go to Mizzou because you got (laughs) to do it for, you know, you gotta do yeah. it for the hood. Everybody yeah. knows that, that's hard to do. It's hard to say, ah, nah, I want to go somewhere else. You feel like yeah. you're letting a lot of people down that might be very loyal to that school. Yeah, no, and I'm not sure if he has any family members that played at Mizzou. Obviously, you know, he's from Missouri. He's been there a bunch. Um, and I think I said on the show yesterday, you know, you can't fault a kid for wanting to stay home and, you know, be that guy for his home state, especially, you know, those those highly touted of kids, you know, Williams Nwerney the defensive lineman that's committed to Missouri, he chose Missouri over Oklahoma. You know, you don't see, you know, you don't see Mizzou win a lot of these big times. They always have a guy or two every once in a while, but, you know, they don't consistently win these kind of recruiting battles. So, you know, I I certainly could see it from his vantage, you know, his viewpoint, you know, if he did want to go to Mizzou, you know, stay home, you know, be the star there. But I think he sees, I I think, you know, he personally sees, um, you know, all the opportunity in front of him at Texas and, you know, certainly to be coached by a coach like Chris Jackson, who has NFL experience, his, his, uh, his whole thing he's saying is NFL development. And, you know, you bring a guy that just came in from the league last year to, you know, one of those kind of technicians at the position that can really teach you what, what you need to be to get to that next level. I think that could sell it all right there. Then you just factor in everything else. And I think that kind of tilts the scale more to Texas. Four o'clock central time today, everybody, Tune in to uh, horns247.com for the latest on the commitment announcement for Ryan Wingo, the five-star receiver from St. Louis. Things are getting interesting. Mm -hmm. Hank, appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, there he is with the latest. Hank's out, horns247.com. Zay, what do you think, my man? Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Mizzou, you know, they're having a good season. Somebody on our CODA text line said, you know, look what Luther Burton's doing compared to Xavier Worthy. I mean, that's fair, but I feel like Texas has more guys they could spread it out to. It's not just Xavier Worthy, but if Ryan Wingo's looking at Luther Burton, who's getting a lot of love right now and a lot of scouts are tuning in too, then – and it's staying home, 
that's tough. Luther Burton almost has over a thousand yards this year in the air. Like the dude's putting up some serious numbers, just some eye popping numbers and six touchdowns. So that, that could be one thing, but come on, man, it's Texas and Missouri. Like you're still going to be in the SEC, the resources, the facilities in the ATX. You can't beat that. And I mean, Again, I don't think Xavier Worthy's going to be back next year. I don't think Adam and I, Mitchell, JT Sanders, they could. You're right. They could possibly come back, especially if the Horns don't do as well as they might have thought they could have in 2023. But with those guys potentially being gone, that's a lot of opportunity for guys coming in. And if you're Ryan Wingo, like I know CB giving me hell on, you know, Sark playing freshman comment. I know he's not playing Jonte Cook, CB, but he's playing Malik Muhammad, Derek Williams, and he's playing CJ Baxter. So he plays freshman, and that has to be appealing to Ryan Wingo that, hey, with guys leaving, if I do well, maybe enroll early, Sark going to give me some tick. And I think he's the type of player you heard Hank say they got him ranked five on 24-7. Like, that dude is a guy that could just come in and already produce. And I love the Debo Samuel comparison from Hank. Like, Debo Samuel, that's a big reason why you could blame Brock Purdy, which he definitely deserves a lot of blame for these last two losses. But not having Debo Samuel Monday night against Minnesota, even though you have all that talent, that hurts. That hurts a lot. So Debo Samuel, he's a difference maker. And if Ryan Wingo's anything close to that, then Texas, 4 o'clock, if he commits to Texas, that's a big-time get. Yeah, Luther Burden is uh, is killing it for, for Mizzou. There's no question he's got 60 catches for, uh, for almost 900 yards, six touchdowns. Um, and you've got Worthy with – you know, 40 catches, 545 yards, A.D. Mitchell, 26 catches, 368 yards, five touchdowns. But Texas also has, you know, they have multiple weapons that they're feeding. And the bottom line is, and this is where, you know, I've said, Texas fans, you have not had offensive players going in the first round of the NFL draft. You're about to. You're about to, and and it'll be a steady parade of first-round picks because of Steve Sarkeesian's pedigree. And as long as he keeps, you know, showing that he can move the ball around, feed multiple receivers, then players are going to want to come here. And, and this is fascinating because we do know Jordan Whittington is moving on after this season. And Ryan Wingo is a guy who could come in and do a lot of the same things that Jordan Whittington does, get you those tough catches over the middle, be that tough guy, good blocker down the field. You know, John Tate Cook, Ryan Niblett are burners. Um, you know, Wingo's a bigger guy. He's, I'm not going to say possession because, my God, A.D. Mitchell's 6'4", 196, and probably runs 4'4". So um, Sarkeesian usually gets an elite receiver in every class. And don't be surprised if he brings in another stud receiver in the transfer portal because guys want to play in this system. It's a pro system. The NFL 
um, values it. And it's why all those Alabama receivers, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, all went in the first round, Jerry Judy. And and that that's coming. That's coming for Texas. So this is going to be fascinating. Four o'clock today, Ryan Wingo, the five-star receiver, going to make his commitment announcement. It sounds like there's a real chance that it could be Texas. And even if it's not, Sarkeesian's not going to slow down on this guy. And and look, it's it's October 25th, Zay. We're six days from Halloween. We're still a ways away from mid-December, but it's fun, man. Yeah. And Steve yeah. Sarkeesian's been pretty stout on the recruiting trail. Offensive linemen, running backs. I mean, Tashard Choice already has a commitment from Jarek Gibson. I mean, Tashard Choice is a recruiting machine when it comes to the running back position. I mean, he's – Jarek Gibson is the number two running back in the nation – He's committed to Texas, you know, even with Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter, um, you know, being younger guys. I mean, Brooks is a redshirt sophomore. CJ is a true freshman, but the great recruiters bring in a great position player every year. You bring in a quarterback every year, an elite quarterback. You bring in an elite running back, an elite receiver. You can't skip years at those positions and especially in the offensive and defensive line. I mean, to me, the defensive line is the number one need in this 2024 class. So I'm, I'm sitting there looking at those dudes and saying, okay, this is, this is where it's got to happen. And you got Colin Simmons, a pass rusher, who's, you know, the number 22 overall prospect in the nation in the 2024 class out of Duncanville. You're hoping he can be a difference maker as a, as a pass rusher. You got, you know, Zena Yumazulu, who is NATO Yumazulu's um, younger brother, who's coming in as an edge, as an edge guy. And then, you know, you're looking for those big defensive tackles like DeAndre Robinson from Orlando 6'4", 315, and, and Alex January, the defensive tackle, 6'4", 325 from Duncanville. Melvin Hills from Lafayette, Louisiana, 6'3", 270. You got to keep stacking those, those defensive linemen, Zay, because outside of elite quarterbacks, that is the hardest position to find is a difference-making defensive tackle. That's why... Tavondre Sweat was such a great find out there in Huntsville. Uh, that dude, you know, they knew he they they knew he was going to grow, become a you know a space eater, and and now look at him, number one defensive lineman according to Pro Football Focus and all of college football, yeah, making some money. And look, if he could rush the passer a little bit more, like Jalen Carter. That would be even better. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. These quarterbacks getting the ball out their hands quick, though. And speaking of D-lines, I know CB asked this earlier. Any more news on Christopher Cross and his departure? <laughs> Christopher Cross. Yeah, Ross, Ross, I mean, Ross, sorry. Yeah, I mean, from what I heard, he, you know, he got uh, some interest from another school. I don't know what. You know, I don't want to say for certainty because I haven't talked to Chris Ross, but, um, you know, I think he uh, wanted to preserve his. Yeah, good for him. I mean, I've had agents tell me that if you've had a good year in college football, you should enter the transfer portal. No ifs, ands or buts to make sure you get paid by your school. Like even if you have no intention of transferring. Get in the portal and you know, make them, make them come to the table. Mm -hmm. It's a business. And scared, like how Xavier Wordy did y'all last year. Yeah. Season. Fans were terrified. Yeah. It's, it's happening. And, you know, Jalen Ford, Jalen Ford was like, I may be going to the draft. Yeah. Make sure you get your NIL money, you know? Yeah. I mean, Walters, man. if you earn it, you deserve it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting today at four o'clock. Um, thanks for, to Hank for jumping on with us and yeah, uh, for the moment and give us giving us the latest. So. Zay, let me tell you about. Uh, um Salt Traders Coastal Cooking because you know what? I think I'm going to take the wife there uh, either tonight or tomorrow because I just, I mean, you look at the menu at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking and you're you're hooked. I'm just saying. So, folks, this is Jack Gilmore's seafood restaurant. He, This is the guy who gave you Jack Allen's kitchen. He's designed the menus created the menus, not design. He's not an artist. He is a food smith. Um, and Salt Traders Coastal Cooking in Austin, in Round Rock, happy hour from 3.30 to 6.30, all night happy hour on Monday night. Make sure you're getting to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Just, just go. Try it. You'll thank me later. And, of course, Tom McKay in our uh, audiovisual consultations crew, taking care of you. If you need a new big screen, if you need the surround sound, you need, uh, you know, electronic shades, surveillance, new lighting, you know, like Zay got new lighting for his, uh, for his radio appearances. Tom McKay can do that for you in your home. You're maybe there's a room that you're just like, I just need a little something. Maybe you need a big screen in that room and some new lighting. But whatever it is, audio, visual, related, there's only one place to go. And all you have to do is pick up the phone and call 255-8678 because Tom and his crew will bring everything to you from the free consultation to installation, audio, visual consultations, avconsultations.com. Just make that phone call. You don't have to do another thing. 255-8678. And, uh, and Zay... I know um, 
I mean, we got a lot to talk about. The Texas Rangers are in the World Series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Young Bucks. We are listening to Mike Harge today on Hanging with Harge. These Arizona Diamondbacks don't know what they don't know because they're just young and fearless and getting after people. I couldn't believe they went into Philly and won two in a row. Yeah, neither can I. And Philly, they had opportunities. I mean, look at that seventh inning. They put two guys on, and you have two of your best hitters come up to bat and Trey Turner and Bryce Harper, and those guys couldn't bring no one in when it was 4-2. Like, that was a huge part of the game. And Diamondbacks, they play an old-school brand of baseball. I mean, they're out there swiping bags, and Harge is right. They're speed, just so yeah. rough. Yeah, speed, like those, you know, and then hitting guys in. Like, they're throwing it. Like, guys are taking off first, and they're hitting, hitting runs on the money. Like, they play a very fun brand of baseball that's kind of old school. And, yeah, like, they're they're tough. They're going to give the Rangers everything they want. but And, and they're always going to be the underdog in every series. They're going to be the underdog, just like this one in Arlington. So, yeah, that's it's kind of just a freely, you know, non-stressed, type of ball that they're playing and it's fun to watch but i thought the phillies especially at citizen banks park like i thought just those fans would get them over the hump especially in the series especially how those first two games went like you saw the fans were a factor and then the diamond bats just settled in and stayed patient and said hey y'all gotta beat us four times not two and game seven they got those phillies yeah man yeah I'm a Rangers fan now. Now? Yeah, you jumping man. on the bandwagon like that? I mean, I want the Rangers to win. Like, you know, I'm a Texan through and through, but you know, where did this come from? My man Justin Verlander okay. was with the Astros, you know. I was leaning a little bit toward the Stros. Don't tell BK. But, uh, yeah, man, we're going with the Rangers, you know. Okay. Hey, looking good right now, man. Corey Seager, Garcia, you know, Young, those guys are putting in some work. They're putting in some work. Putting in some work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So we've got uh, – I'll just I'll just get into the, uh, the chip shot here because um, we, can, we can go down that road right about now. Um, here's, here's my thing. So I'm, I'm, I watched the BYU TCU game. I watched the BYU Kansas game. Um, I watched, you know, as much BYU as I could last night. And there is no doubt you have to get pressure on Keaton Slovis. Because this guy's, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's bounced around. Yeah, he was at USC. He was slinging it to Jordan Addison at Pitt when Addison won the Bolitnikoff. And now he's at BYU. And this dude can play. Like, this is another veteran quarterback who knows what he's looking at, knows what he's doing, and he's got a talented group of receivers. That's all you need to know. That's what Donovan Smith was with his group of receivers. You saw how hot he got. 
But with Slovis, you don't really have to worry about him running. He's run for like 33 yards that weren't sack yards in seven games. So you've got to cover and you've got to pressure because Zay, as you pointed out, in the loss to TCU, in the loss to Kansas, he threw a pick six in each of those games. He was under pressure. He made a ill-advised throw and it cost dearly. And he, that's how you, that's how you bust him up. That's how you bust up BYU. You've got to disrupt their passing game because their run, their running game is 128th of 130. That's not going to beat you. You have to stop the passing game. This is kind of old school Lavelle Edwards, BYU. I mean, Jim McMahon, you know, Steve Young. I'm not saying that it's that caliber, but that's what they're doing. They're going to cut your throat through the air. And that's why I'm putting Anthony Hill up on the line in this game. Because with Ethan Burke down, with Jet Bush down, with you know, Baron Sorrell doing a nice job against the run, but not getting to the passers much. I mean, Byron Murphy has more sacks than Baron Sorrell. So, you know, this is a game where you'd love Byron Murphy to get through. You'd love, you know, we got to see how Alfred Collins is doing because he, he busted through, had a sack for eight yards on the first possession of the game. And and look good, you know, but he kind of limped off at the end. So, you know, you got to get everybody who can get back into the backfield with some pressure doing it in this game. Because, look, the following week, you got hell to pay. You got all kinds of issues. You got Will Howard running around. You got Avery Johnson running around. You got... You know, Trishon Ward, you got DJ Giddens, K-State's solid. And this is where I'm going to get back to eventually weaving back to Jonathan Brooks. Your defense's best friend the next two weeks is possessing the football, running the football, running the clock, possessing, like against Kansas Texas had the ball for almost 40 minutes. Damn. KU had it for 20. That's your dream scenario the next two weeks. If you can do that, do it. And that's, that's you know, Zay, Mike Gundy, everyone's like, are you running Ollie Gordon too much? He's run it 29 times each of the last two weeks. No. Gundy said no. No, he gets stronger as the game goes on. I mean – Remember when Gary Patterson like ripped Sark for running Bijan 35 times against TCU? Yeah, then Bijan got hurt a couple games later. Yeah, well, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but like Sark kind of stopped running Bijan as much after that. Like, yeah, after he got hurt, yeah. Well, no, he didn't get hurt against TCU. No, he, he didn't get hurt against TCU. He got hurt later on. 
out in the yeah, but like he didn't there were that was a few games later and he didn't let me check it but he didn't uh he didn't run him as much like the next two games and then he got hurt against Kansas and he hyperextended his elbow but um yeah he that Kansas game was five games after the TCU game but in those five games Sark didn't run him as much. I'm just saying you can run Jonathan Brooks 20, 25 times a game and build that game plan around him and, you know, tell your offensive line, we're going to go pound the rock just like you did against Kansas and control the game, control the clock. But in this game, I need Anthony Hill on the line of scrimmage. I don't need to see him at weak side linebacker. Not in this game. Now, against K-State? Yeah, probably going to need to see him at weak side linebacker because he's not only your best spy. Right now, he's your best pass rusher. Like, pro football focus says it. Your eyes say it. He's got three sacks. The most snaps he played up on the line were against... Alabama and uh, against Oklahoma. And he had two sacks against Alabama and he had a sack against Oklahoma. So get him up on the line and let him be your, your pass rusher with Ethan Burke out of this thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, they have to put pressure on Slovis because this defense and the secondary, they're very vulnerable right now, specifically the safeties. I mean, and, and, you know, especially inside on the slot position. You know, you got Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson. They're trying their hardest out there, but it's just – Hey, they're getting toasted. <laughs> they're getting toasted on multiple plays throughout the season. You could go through where Texas is getting gutted and look at the safeties as the main reason why. And that stuff needs to tighten up. And that's a lot of that's also due to the lack of sacks that they're getting, you know. And again, when you're getting the ball out of your hands, like a lot of these quarterbacks are, knowing how good this defensive line is for Texas, it makes it a lot easier for wide receivers to be open. So, you know, lots on Pete Kwiatkowski, you know, these last few weeks, the defense hasn't looked good. There's too much talent all around, even with with the guys who aren't available due to injury for this defense to look like that. And yeah, you nailed it on the head earlier too. gotta take chances. We got to go. I've been saying this for the last few weeks, and they did a little bit this past Saturday. They forced a fumble, Jalen Ford on Donovan Smith. Michael Taft had his interception. So you forced two turnovers, which definitely helped you out in the seven-point win, but you got to keep it going. You got to keep it consistent because Keenan Slovis and the two games that they lost, he's thrown pick sixes. So he's going to give you opportunities, but are you going to be playing tight enough coverage to where – you know, those windows won't be open for him. This is an experienced guy, and he's definitely going to be able to read the defense. And if he's going to see Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson guarding the slot guy and playing 10 yards off, then that's a quick I catch and throw pass. Like, you don't need no drop back or nothing. Once the ball's in, your, in his hands, throw it back to where the laces make you comfortable. 
bam, sling that thing in there. Five-yard gain, seven-yard gain, eight-yard gain. Just keep on moving the chains. How about this for a change? Make an adjustment. Corners up on the receivers and blitz Jade Barron. He's one of your best blitzers and a guy who just makes plays. We haven't seen him blitzing much lately. And look, if you're going to blitz, you've got to have your corners up on the receivers to just slow them down that much from getting into their route and play inside leverage. I mean, if if they want to run crossers, then get the corners up on the line and play inside leverage and force them to, to go outside or just delay them into their route. And that gives the blitz just that amount of time to get there. And I just, I've been surprised we haven't seen that because, and I get it. I know they don't want to have the quarterback get loose, you know, through the A gap, B gap, C gap, but you can't play like that, man. You gotta, you gotta bring it and you can't just tackle the catch every time and, you know, force your guys to cover. I mean, you gotta bring it to them. You gotta dictate to the offense, how this is going to go. And that's, that's what I want to see Saturday. Yeah. I want to see Texas get back to dictating how it's going to go on defense. Yeah. I don't get why they've been so passive this last few weeks. Like because why of the fear of running the quarterback yeah. running. Yeah. You can't do that though. You can't, <laughs> you yeah. really can't, you know, especially if the quarterback can throw too. You know, and wants to throw like Dylan Gabriel and Donovan Smith. They have the ability to run. We've seen it, especially with Donovan Smith last season at Texas Tech. But those dudes want to throw the football. They want to sit back in the pocket and they want to throw that football, throw that freaking pigskin, like my man from Varsity Blue said before he got his nose broken by James Vanderbeek. Like, throw that goddamn pigskin. You know what I'm saying? That's what these guys want to do. So, yeah, man, if you got these guys backed up, that contradicts everything. And I'm, I'm, I need to see better secondary play. I, I need to see that. And I need to see... So, you know, you talk about John A. Barron blitzing and stuff. They're so afraid of not having them be a covered guy. They probably don't want to do too much with them. Like, I, that's what it seems like now. Again, Jalen Catalan probably be out another week. Ryan Watts, please come back. But I I don't know if you could keep having Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford play man-to-man in the slot. I don't, you, I don't think you could keep doing that consistently because yeah. that just – that's some toxic gambling that you're doing if you're Pete Kwiatkowski, Terry Joseph, and Blake Gideon. Like those guys, I mean, and you're going to have to, if you're playing in that position, you're going to have to at some point. But consistently, I don't know, man. Like you might want to give Jalen Gilbo some safety reps, kind of like John A. Barron, where they move him around and stuff too so he could play those slot guys and take Thompson or Crawford out of there or, you know, play cover one have one of those guys be in the back chilling but besides i don't know that's just i just want well, keep an eye on keep an eye on where they're playing jade baron because he is macgyver wherever they're wherever they're breaking down is where he's gonna line up if if they think gilbo can handle that nickel star position and they're bleeding at, at safety they'll play jade at 
at safety. If they're bleeding at corner, Jade will play corner. I mean, he can do anything. So just keep looking at where 23 is lining up. And and if if number three, Jalen Gilbo, is out there with him, then you know that Jade's putting out a fire somewhere else. So it's, uh, you know, that they, they need to do a great job of of scouting to know when it's most advantageous to bring pressure because um, they cannot just rush four and, you know, can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Not this week. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yep. Shout out to Chris. Malik going to be solid. He's going to have people wearing the burnt orange number six jersey all over Austin before Thanksgiving. Yo, if that means to me, Chris, if I'm reading this right, if Quinn Ewers gets healthy, Malik still got the job. That's what, I, that's what I'm hearing from that statement there. If we're talking about wearing that number six till Thanksgiving, that's a few weeks from now. I know October about to end, but that's a few weeks from now. And if that dude's playing to where Sark has that problem, oh, my gosh. I don't know if I could take that, Chip. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's a lot to process. Even now, I'm like, damn, that's – That's a lot to process for the doomsayer. That's a lot to process, man. But, hey, best man wins. That's best man wins. Malik's out there and earns it. I'm all for it. I'm all for it, but – yeah, it's going to be a lot of national media and people eating that up. That's for sure. Well, here's the here's the other thing to remember. When Peyton Manning was a freshman at Tennessee, the plan was to redshirt him. And the starter went down, and then the backup went down. And Peyton ended up starting the last six games. He went five and one as a freshman when he wasn't even supposed to play. So just a little bit of history for you. <laughs> we throwing some names, man. We talking about Caleb Williams, Osmond Trophy weather, Peyton Manning, probably a top five NFL quarterback to ever throw that pigskin. Woo, man. Malik Murphy, hey. any one of those two, I'm with it. But hey. damn, those some big-ass shoes that we trying hey. to put on Malik Murphy to fill. Steve Sarkeesian had Carson Palmer, Matt Leinart, and Matt Castle in the same quarterback room. Damn. Now, Pete Carroll was the head coach. Steve Sarkeesian was the quarterback's coach. But – they all had a chance in the league. Some did better than others. Who'd have thunk that Matt Castle would play for 14 years and Matt Leinart would play for two? Yo, that's wild. That's pretty wild. Yeah, Matt Castle got some serious paper. Like, where did he go? I mean, he was at New England. but New England, Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City. That's where he got that paper. That's where he got it. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, great track record. That's Steve Sarkeesian. So. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Sark's been able to live off of that for for years. Matt Castle, 
my God. I think I shortchanged him. He was four years. So he went to New England. He was there. He was in New England for four years. Kansas City for four years. Minnesota for two years. Um, he was with Buffalo and Dallas in 2015. He was with the Tennessee Titans in 16 and 17. Damn, he just retired? And wow. in Detroit in 2018, he retired after the 18 season. Man, that's a great career. Uh, you might for just making it that long. I know he ain't no perennial pro bowl or anything, but that's a very great career. Like Colt McCoy S type stuff. Let me, uh, let me tell you what Matt Castle made in his career. Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, that was the era where you transfer, you're sitting out. So you might as well get that degree and, you know, live off what football brings you, even though you ain't playing at Southern Cal. Women around that campus walking through wearing bikinis and stuff. Are you the backup? Yeah. You got to worry about no pressure. Please sign me up for that. Matt Castle, $65.5 million just from his NFL salaries. Yeah. 14 seasons. Solid. That's solid. Yeah, I remember when he gripped the Kansas City Chiefs, he gripped the hell out of them. That's where a majority of that money comes from because they thought, you know, like, oh, obviously they're going to keep Tom Brady, but, yeah, New England, they got something there. And it was just kind of like from Garoppolo, the Jacoby, Brissett, like – that's that Bill Belichick. I know he needs some Tom Brady, but that dude and that front office, they could scout some talent, you know, even though you see the guy now, Mac Jones, struggling a little bit, but he ain't got nobody to throw to. So that's the thing. I mean, Brady didn't didn't have anyone to throw to. He was throwing to Troy Brown and Troy Brown. You know, Julian Brandt, what those guys say? Yeah, I mean Rache Caldwell. Like, you know, finally Randy Moss showed up in what, 20, 16 years into his career? I mean, finally, and that was on a, they held the the Raiders hostage on that trade, which was unbelievable. They stole Randy Moss. Man, he took some years off of Al's life with that one. Yeah. Tough. Davis yeah, because he goes to New England with Brady and sets the NFL receiving especially, touchdowns record. Especially after the Charles Woodson incident. What what's that? What's that called? Well, yeah, the the uh tuck rule. Tuck rule, yeah, tuck rule, man. Ah, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. Yeah, if you're a Raiders fan, that hurts a little bit. Because it wasn't like Randy Moss was going crazy in Oakland. Like he wasn't. Um, he might have been a pro bowler still, but those were his worst seasons besides after the Patriots, like in between uh, the Vikings and New England. Like he didn't do much wearing that number 18 in Oakland. And then he goes and plays with Brady and they set records and shit. That team was fun. The team was fun. But. Yeah. In Oakland, Randy Moss had, he had a 60 catch, 
thousand yard season and then a 42 catch 553 yard season. And then he goes to new England and he catches 98 balls for 1,493 yards and 23 touchdowns. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. That's fun football right there. He almost he almost had as many touchdowns in one season with New England as he had the three previous seasons. Yeah. With I mean, that, all that stuff shouldn't have happened because our guy, Stretch Smith, he had him. He had him. We're going to Dallas, Randy. And no, just because Michael Irvin, the playmaker, did a little bit of cocaine back in the day. Just a little bit, chill. He didn't do much. You know, allegedly. Allegedly, right. Yeah, allegedly he got caught with. He was hanging out with the strippers and the hookers. The hookers at that rinky dink Irvin motel. Like, can you go on the outskirts? Like, can you go to like Carrollton or you know? No, they went to the they went to the house in the Valley Ranch neighborhood that they were renting. The White House, they called it. Yeah, but that was uh, he didn't get caught there. That was in the ATX, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was when that was when everything was good. Everything was good. I'm talking about when he got caught, like in the city, and he was not too far away from the stadium. It's like, bro. Come on, man. But hey, hey, he's doing great now. He's a legend, still a Hall of Famer. What are you afraid of, Jerry? What are you afraid of? You know what I'm saying? Just have somebody with him all the time. Make sure he doesn't get into that crazy stuff. Somebody go in the bathroom with him, not on no Dwight Howard type stuff. Just go in the bathroom to make sure he's not doing no sniffy sniffy. And that's what they did with Pac-Man. Yeah, exactly. Pac-Man was good, too. A little troubled, obviously. A little, you know, would fight you in a heartbeat. But on Sunday, Pac-Man was going to show up. You got to live with that. You got to live with that sometimes, man. Sometimes guys are too talented. You got to give them a little help. They just need – everybody needs a little help every once in a while, some more than others. And the best – GMs and coaches that see that and say, okay, we know that he's a little troubled, but we could get past it. We just got to guide him in the right path. That's the best ones, man. That's all what Belichick did with Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Everybody thought that was going to be a disaster. Everybody. Randy Moss had Bill Belichick going to the Halloween parties and shit. Isn't that crazy? That was how close those guys were during that time. Now, we know Bill Belichick. Once you your heyday's over with, you gone. Like, and he probably gonna block you from his number, but that's just a business. That's just so he don't get attached, like some of these other coaches and Jerry Jones. You know, Jerry Jones have be having attachments. Like that's the difference between New England and Dallas over the years. Jerry Jones be just falling in love with guys and they way past what they should be doing, but you pay them anyway, not Bill. Bill says, um, yeah, you want this money? Well, you didn't do this last year. Get your ass out of Foxborough, bro. Yeah, Randy ended up playing hardball. And New England was like, all right, our our Halloween parties are over. Because <laughs> we're not overpaying. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. When the coaches have great players like Mac Brown – you know, I'll never forget. He's like, 
easiest year I've ever had in coaching was 2005. When you have super talented players who are running the show themselves, you just show up to practice and make sure they're running the right plays. Make sure you get them a game plan that's going to work. Of course, with Vince, he made it unf upable. Like you could have called, you know, 32 lead every single down and Vince would have made it work, you know? Yeah. And, and that's great. Belichick was having the same great time. Brady to Moss 23 times. Belichick's over there. Hey, what are we doing for Halloween kids? <laughs> you know, and until freaking Eli Manning shows up, it's all fun and games till Eli Manning and the helmet catch show up. Wow, man. Eli Manning. David Tyree. Eli Manning, is he five years, right? It's almost time for that gold jacket, don't you think? Somebody need to come knocking on his dough when they make it automatic and film it and stuff. Knock on that dude's dough. Give him that gold jacket. Let him cry a little bit because he earned it. He earned it. Thank God. He's I can't have Tom Brady with Nob, man. That's too much. That I can't have that's too much, man. Who knows if they would have won those Super Bowls if he even went to if he even would have went to Tampa Bay. That's just all speculation. But yeah, man, Eli twice. Not once, but twice. And the Eli team Manning. the Giants team that beat the undefeated Patriots team made the playoffs at nine and seven. (laughs) Like, Oh my gosh. You just got to get hot at the right time. You got to have your guys healthy at the right time. That's it. And they, they had those pass rushers, man. Yeah. I remember when those, yeah. I remember when those fools went up to Lambeau, it was about 14 degrees in that thing. I don't know if it was snowing or not, but they made life hell for Brett Favre. Hell. Brett was doing all that spectacular stuff that he's used to doing, trying to run around. and You know, he'd just be throwing it and not even looking. And it didn't work that day. And Eli and Brandon Jacobs, that dude, in that type of cold – Trying to tackle that big ass dude, that dude was underrated. Talk about underrated backs, like at 250, you know, you maybe didn't. 260. They give that dude the rock and he'd lower his head. And yo, man, he was initiating all the contact that whole playoff run. And I'll, I'll never forget that game in Lambeau for the NFC Championship. That was crazy because the Packers, oh, yeah, that season. And they don't, no, no one won. No one. To tackle Brandon Jacobs. No. <laughs> oh my God, my fingers are gonna break off if I tackle yeah. him. Yeah, like I got a lot of those guys on that uh, Green Bay defense has kids and stuff. Like you want to go home see your wife. Like you think about all that stuff when Brandon Jacobs is coming through a gap and turning it up up the field, north and south. You think about all those things. Your life must flash right in front of your eyes trying to tackle that cat because, man, he was a monster. That, that was a tough-ass team. <laughs> yeah, you had, you had Strahan, Justin Tuck, OCU Minora, and uh, the dude with the firecrackers. Oh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul? 
JPP. <laughs> the firecrackers. I yeah. thought you were throwing up games on just now. He won, yeah. He won the he won oh, the Super Bowl and then gotta let go of those firecrackers, man. Yo, hey, there's always examples of what not to do. Like in my life, like my mom, she was always telling me, Hey, you see how Alan Iverson acting crazy. You wonder why we ain't letting you get corn rolls. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. There's always examples that just kind of help your own path of life. And Jason Pierre-Paul, I'll never touch a firework just because of that. If it can happen to him, it can happen to me. I think that I'm a little bit smarter than him, but that's that's too close to me. That's too close to home for some reason. Big, dark brother like him, too close because I'm a big, dark brother too. And he's way more athletic than I am, Chip. So, yeah, man. All I got to see is that dude walking around like this and stuff. And, nope, I'm good. I ain't playing with no firecrackers, none of the little things that you throw on the ground and they make that pop. Nah, mm -mm, nothing. I'm good. I'm good on that. Sorry. Yeah, 4th of July, I respect it. Independence Day, cool. But miss me with that fireworks stuff. Well, let's – I think it's about time, man. I think it's I think it's the right time for my man Zay the right call. Call your let's get it, man. But before the right call, I gotta tell y'all about Covert BK, the Covert Auto Group, family-owned group of automotive dealerships that's been serving the greater Austin area for over a hundred years and they do a hell of a job doing it the covert auto group has been committed to providing customers with just high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles that look way better than a lot of stuff that you see out there on the road in the greater austin area so if you need that upgrade Go over the Covert Bee Cave and check out the seven brands of beautiful vehicles that they have from GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Buick, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Covert Bee Cave will take care of you. Or if you want to go online and check them out, go to covertbeecave.com and you'll see all the latest specials and inventory. So you can see that nice truck that you want. You can see that SUV that you've been dreaming about for all these years. Or if you want to be clean out there and you might be a single person, get that two door because they got them. They got it all at Covert Bee Cave. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, Chip. Well, shout out to Chris, man. He said, who's all going to be watching Wimby tonight at 8.30? The NBA started last night. Check that out. I'll definitely be watching, Chris. Like, Wimby Nyama, that's must-see TV. Like, they just seven foot five. all those guard skills, the athleticism, you know, the way that he's able to run. He's just a different difference maker already in the Spurs. They went from being the number one pick in the draft in 2022, or excuse me, 2023, to a team that might make the playoffs if everybody stays healthy. So it starts tonight against the Dallas Mavericks, which I don't know what to make about the Mavs. Um, Luca and Kyrie. Already like nursing some injury. I mean, I'm sure he is like one thing that's never good when you have a European player, even though Giannis, Joker, and Luca are running the league and they're in different ways. They always play for their national FIBA team. 
always. So there's never rest. They never rest because they feel obligated being the best player in that country and representing that country that they have to play. And when but Spurs, y'all going to deal with it with Wimbenyama. He already said he's going to play in the Olympics 2024. So those guys, like Luka didn't have a time to really rest. He just kept playing. So I'm not surprised if he's dealing with an injury early on. Calf strain. Yep. And he, he always has calf problems. Always. He always has calf problems. Again, when you have lingering injuries, sometimes you got to, especially when it's not the Olympics. The Olympics, don't pass that up. I get that. It comes every four years. It's a pretty big deal. But for the World Cup, you can pass that up. It's fine saying no to the World Cup. Giannis said no, but he's been in the league for over 10 years. Luca. You know, he's still young. He still feels obligated and stuff. He loves those guys. I think he loves European ball, so it gets it allows him to play, you know, just that type of style. But, yeah, that's not good early on in this season. And him and Kyrie, we saw a glimpse of it last year. It didn't look too good. So now Kyrie's been in training camp and stuff. What is it going to be this year? I do not agree with Kenyon Martin, South Oak Cliff native, played for Bob Huggins at Cincinnati. He went out and said Kyrie Irving's the better player than Luka if you know basketball. No, he's not. I feel like I know a little bit of basketball. Luka, at this point of his career, Kyrie's had the better career winning a championship and being a perennial all-star maybe over 10 times or so. But right now, Luka might be the best player in the league if you're not counting Giannis or Joker. So, yeah, let's let's Luca has to be the man, and it just doesn't add up to Kyrie's style of play. Both of those guys are so ball dominant that they're gonna beat teams just because Luca's so good and Kyrie's a good player. But when they play against other really good teams like the Bucks or the Celtics or the Nuggets, the Lakers, you know, Sacramento, I could keep going down the list. They're going to have their struggles. And if both of those guys have not worked on playing off the ball, then Jason Kidd's going to have problems. Because, yeah, when the ball's in your hands, it's a lot easier to score for Luka and Kyrie. But when you're playing off ball and Kyrie's dancing and doing all his and one mixtape shit and Luka's just standing there like this waiting for it, you only got 24 seconds. Yeah, you only got 24 seconds. That It goes by quick. It goes by quick. Five dribbles, that's like four seconds right there. So how is that going to work consistently? And Kyrie also could be in the mood at any time. You have no idea what Kyrie you're going to get. That's the scariest thing the mask can worry about is if something – Big happens in the world that doesn't have to do with basketball where Kyrie feels the need to participate. Good luck, Mavs, because we've seen that in recent history. He's been caught up in some just weird stuff to where, you know, I do not like the saying shut up and dribble. But there's been some times where like Kyrie, can you just hoop, bro? Like, can't, like this, this shouldn't have anything to do with you. And I get it. You, you, it's more than basketball. I completely understand that. But when you become a distraction, like he was in Brooklyn, like he was with the Celtics, you know, that's that's the last thing 
the Mavs need, especially with Luka, who's still growing, who's still learning how to win. They went to the Western Conference Finals a few years ago. Luka's still learning. So you don't want to stunt his growth with just a bunch of baloney coming from your next best player in Kyrie Irving. And if you're a Mavs fan, I'd be watching that all year, especially if things are a roller coaster and not all gravy, you know, being a top three seed in the West. Didn't you hate that trade when it happened? Which one? Kyrie going to Dallas? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It didn't make much it. sense to me. It didn't make much sense to me. You gotta, you gotta surround Luca with guys who can, you know, play defense, who can score differently than Luca, score in the mid range, you know, score around the rim. Yeah. I don't need another guy who's out there on the perimeter you know, like you said, ball dominant, because I don't get enough defense out of either one of them. Great point. Yeah. Your two best players can't be your worst offenders. Right. <laughs> like that's. Say and it seemed want. like they had a cast that they should have allowed Luca to grow with because they had some dudes that defended, you know, and yeah. scored in the mid range and, scored differently from Luca. I just yeah. never understood that trade. That's what like people Jalen Brunson at this point of his career is better than Kyrie Irving. That might sound insane if you go back three years ago or just like Kyrie's following chip is like an Allen Iverson. Like Kyrie has a very cult like following to where you know it's very just kind of Jordan-like, like he had a really popular shoe with Nike before they canceled it due to the anti-Semitic comments. And then, you know, he's just flashy. He does the crazy layups. He does the crazy crossovers. Like his aura is a lot like Allen Iverson's to where people could get it mixed up into just producing and like getting the job done on the court. Like, yes, it looks cool. Yes, it's fancy, but it only worked with LeBron, who is arguably the greatest player of all time. If you don't count that number 23 guy that went to North Carolina, got drafted by the Chicago Bulls, take that dude out. LeBron's the greatest. So that's the only time Kyrie has really been effective is playing with LeBron James. And I love Luca. Luca's going to be a guy that goes to Springfield too and gets his jacket, whatever color they have their hall of fame jackets for sure. But LeBron plays defense. I like what you were saying. Like Luca don't play D like that. LeBron just changed the game, especially during that time of his career. And it allowed Kyrie to be him. Like LeBron could play off ball. He could cut to the basket and do those things. Like Luca still has to learn that. So yes, it, when the trade happened, it made no sense. It just seemed like, we want somebody to replace Jalen Brunson and Kyrie's not it. Like both of those guys have different games. They carry themselves different. Like Jalen Brunson could really play off the ball. Like he, he can, they put it in Julius Randall's hands in New York and Jalen Brunson does a really good job playing off the ball there. Kyrie, even though he could catch and shoot when he's not doing that, I think it'll take away from Lucas game. So yeah, Mavs fans are going to have a, interested season i hope they do well i hope all the texas teams do well but the san antonio spurs could go from the worst texas team this past year to the best 
just like that with Wimbenyama. And you got Vassell, you got Johnson. Like, they have a way better core to put around their star player, Victor Wimbenyama. It's just all about health for them. And, you know, you look at the coaching matchup, Pop versus Jason Kidd. I mean, Jason Kidd, you're clearly the better player. You're not the better coach. Sorry. That's just not what it is. He's been at two different places, and he got fired from both of them with Milwaukee and Brooklyn. So Jason Kidd still has a lot to prove when it comes to coaching, in my opinion. And I've said on this show before, Hall of Fame players turning into coaches, the only person that's really done that that I could think of is Larry Bird. And those Indiana Pacers teams were pretty stacked with Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose and Mullen and Rick Smicks, et cetera. Like that team, Mark Jackson, those teams used to go game seven with the Bulls, went to the finals against, you know, the Lakers and stuff. So it's hard for those star former players, Chip, like a Jason Kidd, to come in as a coach and be relatable to the 11th man on the bench. You know, like it's easier for the Phil Jacksons of the world who were the role players, the Steve Kerrs of the world of the world who were role players to come in and like really be a player's coach and stuff. And I think Jason Kidd's still trying to figure things out. Well, I'm I love that the Mavericks won a world championship with Dirk and Dirk. You know, I've said I want Dak to have his Dirk season um i don't think that's happening right now uh after the multi-interception game he had against the 49ers but i'm happy that the mavs won the world championship with with dirk it was awesome but then cuban didn't even keep that team together nope like to try to defend like he broke it up like um Oh, who's the defensive player of the year? The big Tyson Chandler, Tyson Chandler. Like they had Tyson Chandler. They had, they had peace. Like, come on, man. And then he gets the, he gets Luca and it look, you know, he's got Spencer Dinwiddie and he's got, you know, some nice pieces. He didn't even let that thing have a chance and he goes and brings in Kyrie the volatile unpredictable Kyrie I just I just don't see it for the Mavs I don't see it and I'm I'm excited to I'll tune in tonight see what's going on with the the Spurs and the Mavs see if uh Luca's calf strain uh lets him out on the floor but I want to see Wemby I'm you know I'm worried I'm not going to lie. I'm worried. He looks like a stick figure to me and I'm, I'm hoping he can hold up physically for 82 games. And cause he's so skilled. He's so fun to watch. He like, he doesn't hesitate shooting those threes and it's smooth. It's a, it's a nice shot. It's got the handle, all that seven, four. Are you kidding me? Like seven, four, that's Ralph Sampson. Yeah. Ralph Sampson didn't have no handle, you know, Ralph had long ass arms and a sky hook, but hey, he tell you he had handle. Just they didn't let him really go back in the eighties, right? Yeah, right. I mean, but I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for the for the Spurs, and I'm excited that the Spurs are building this relationship with Austin, and they're they're playing the Nuggets in Austin. Zay, yeah. By the way, you sent me 
you made your uh, prediction yesterday. You sent me in the text, so it's valid because we had Trey on and we have to go with stuff. But you got the Nuggets going back to back, beating the Bucks, and hey, that's a solid pick. With what I saw last night, Chip, those Nuggets, they picked up right where they left off against the Lakers, who. Year 21 for LeBron James, he's on a minutes restriction. They don't want him to get above 30. That's going to be a problem because I know they want Anthony Davis to be the best player. LeBron's still the best player. Anthony Davis had 17 points in the first half and ended the game with 17 points. Like that dude, the older he gets, now he's in his 30s. He's just going to keep declining. And you got to worry about the health issues. So LeBron, we know he has a lot of pull. Right now he says he's going to be, you know, He's going to be good and work with the Lakers on, you know, being okay about his minutes. But if they get behind and they're out the playoffs, like halfway through the season, LeBron's going to tell Darvin Ham, the former Red Raider, uh, Red Raider, sorry, bro, I'm playing at least 38. Like I'm not, I'm not playing year 21 to not make the playoffs. And if I have to play eight more minutes, then so be it. So, that's going to be an issue the Lakers deal with, but the Nuggets, man, like Contavious Cardwell Pope, if he's going to play that good, like you got to worry about Joker. He got another triple double last night, 27 points. Jamal Murray, one of the best point guards in the league. Michael Porter Jr., one of the best shooters in the league, who's also 6'10. And then Aaron Gordon's one of the best two way players, guarding the best player on defense. And then offensively, he just fits in perfectly with those three guys I just named. But Contavious I mean, Aaron Cardwell Gordon Pope, shut down Jimmy Butler in the finals. Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. He's 6'10". He can move. I remember when he was at Arizona, he had so much hype coming out of high school. He's from the Bay Area, had so much hype. And I just thought he was going to be another athletic guy. You know, uh, he he's just athletic. He's not very skilled. And that's what he was in Orlando. He touched down in Colorado, completely different player completely different player like and that comes with maturity I think he takes the defensive matchup very seriously that okay I know I'm gonna guard the best player every single night and I think he takes a lot of pride in that and offensively you gotta pick your poison with Murray Joker and Porter so you allow him to score and when he's scoring and producing along with Contavious Cardwell Pope they're unstoppable they're they're unstoppable, man. They just have so many different ways to win. And yeah, they picked up right where they left off from the 2023 championship. Yeah. Well, they gotta stay healthy and they gotta stay hungry. Yeah. We'll see how that uh plays out over 82 games. But you think the like the Bucks, you got now you have Giannis and and Dame Dollar playing together. Do they have enough pieces around them to to get it done? Um, yeah, I think it just depends on Chris Middleton's health. You know, the former Aggie, he hasn't been healthy in recent years. Not like he was when they won the championship in 2021. Like that dude, when Giannis was getting all the attention, they would put it in Middleton's hands and he would orchestrate pick and rolls. And in the playoffs, you know, during the regular season, the league's just layups and threes. That's really all you see. The best players still take twos and pull-ups and stuff, but in the playoffs, you have to make twos. You have to make tough twos. You have to make long twos. That's why Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. He's the greatest pull-up mid-range shooter 
to ever play the game, to ever touch the pill. So if you can knock down twos consistently, then your chances of winning a championship skyrocket. And Chris Middleton, if he could get back to that, then the Bucks they should be really good, but he has to stay healthy. Like Dame and Giannis, Dame has the threes, Giannis has inside. Who's going to be that guy to do all, you know, the middle stuff that nobody's really worried about right now? Chris Middleton, I think they're going to have to do a good job at just watching his minutes. And if he could come through, that team, they could win it all for sure. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Who's your sleeper? Who's your who's your keep an eye on team? Um, probably the Spurs, man. <laughs> like, probably the Spurs. Yeah, like I, I, when you're the number one pick, nobody thinks about you making the playoffs. But when Benyama, like he's that talented, and I have I love Vassell. I think Trey Jones could be a solid starting point guard he's nothing fancy about him but he's a very good defender and if he can knock down the outside shot then the spurs they're gonna be really good johnson's a tough player that you could put the ball in his hands and he could go get you a bucket every now and then the uh former baylor bear jeremy jeremy sohan he's one of the most versatile players in the league like that dude he can pass He's a good defender. He could knock down shots. He could score. Like I was, when he came out in the draft from Baylor, I knew he was going to be solid. Like I thought just as a freshman, he was so young. I want to say he's from the UK, but I just thought with all those guards, you really didn't see him thrive in Waco. Like, you know, he could have, but you would see flashes. And I was like, man, if this dude, like he could be the best player on this Baylor Bear team. And the scouts saw that and the Spurs saw that. And him at 6'10 with Wimbenyama, again, Vassell, Johnson, Trey Jones, they have one of the most underrated starting fives in the league. So just like everybody else, it's all about health. And yeah, the Spurs are my sleeper team. I think that they could finesse their way not only – for a playing team, seven for an eighth seed, but they can maybe finesse their way into a sixth seed because it's just so hard to win in the NBA. But when Benyama, nobody's like that, dude. Nobody. And Dylan Mitchell's the guy who needs to take the next step for the Longhorns. Did we agree that he should be at 13 and seven at the yeah. say? What? Is that your career average? 13 and seven? 13, or was that like when you were 13. motivated? You were 10 and five when you were oh, 10 and five. Yeah. <laughs> so, 10 and five was the average. Okay. 10 and five. So do we think Dylan's going to be closer to 10 and five or 13 and seven? Probably we, we need 13 and seven. Yeah, I agree. It feels like 10 and five though. It's. I don't know. Like you need 13 and seven and four of those points could come just off putbacks. You know, he's right. so damn athletic, just cra crash the glass and, you know, get those putback layups and dunks and stuff. But I don't know. I got it. You talked about that turnaround jumper that he had in the orange and white game. Like that's growth. He wasn't shooting that last year. So 
If he can knock that down, if he could get a little post game, maybe, you know, go over the right shoulder and throw up that left hook, jump, jump hook, then sky's the limit for not only him, but the Longhorns. And we saw at the combine, he shot the ball well, but that was against Casper. So <laughs> how do you really tell when you're shooting by yourself, you know, and nobody's going out there to contest or block your shot? It's kind of hard to tell. But, yeah, Dylan Mitchell – He's got to have a huge year if the Texas Longhorns want to get back to the Elite Eight and make some noise in the tournament. Well, before we hand it off to uh, to Megan and Rocky, uh, Great Blue Hair and Furniture, greatbluehairandfurniture.com. Um, this is the highest-end uh, leather furniture, and it is built for a lifetime. I mean, just check it out. Uh, it'll convince you to to maybe rethink your living room, your, your, uh, you know, your favorite room, because this furniture is so incredible and we have our own promo code hook them. You use that promo code. You're going to get, um, 15% off. Are you kidding me? So get to great blue hair or just click the link right there on the YouTube channel and it'll take you, um, to the Texas sports unfiltered collection. But don't, you know, go to the website, check it all out. But just remember to use that promo code, hook them. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed a nice Olipop today while we were doing the show. There we go. The orange squeeze. Zay, you get an Olipop today because you were not as much of a doomsayer today. What? <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Oh, man. We're cutting into the... Uh, we're cutting into the to the show. We got to bring in um, Megan and Rocky. Hello. Ladies, how you doing? Hi. How are you? Well, Good. we're ready to hand it off. Listen to the music. Oh, we won't on. leave you hanging this time. We'll actually let you hear the music. I love the music. <laughs> Last time we were just chatting so much, we didn't even have it queued up. <laughs> I think you're the only show on the Texas Sports Unfiltered channel with your own intro music. It's yeah, awesome. It's pretty awesome. I actually put it together. Yeah. That's that nice. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. We've been using it. And every time we think about tweaking it or changing it, we're like, nah. It's too good. We like it's it. It's good. It's good. Why mess with Thanks. perfection? Yeah, I think it's pretty great. <laughs> well, we will hand it off. All right. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great evening. Appreciate have a great it. show. All right. Get ready to dance.